Hello, hello, and welcome to another hometown daily news show. I am Merwat, and in the ether is the artificial intelligence that runs hometown. Good evening, everyone. Today is January 2nd, 2022, ah, 2023. Sorry, AI, that runs hometown. I messed up already. This is season two, episode two of the Omtown Daily News Show. Today's title is Office Space and Real Space, NASA GPS to China Lander, AI Da Vinci, and more news. Let's get into it. Hey, look, we're, we're, we're doing something. This is year two of the hometown daily news show. I'm pretty jazzed about it. Um, I've been wishing everybody a happy new year. It's 2023. <sighs> We're going to make this year better than the last. And, um, in doing that, I am, I'm now going to announce that we're launching the, uh, reality hacker, uh, stream. Uh, it'll probably only end up as a, uh, Twitch stream and then a YouTube, uh, kind of a playlist over on the hometown main channel over on YouTube. It won't be a podcast because it's actually going to be Marwat playing VR games, talking about VR, uh, from time to time. Um, but ultimately just, uh, playing games. So if you're interested in VR, uh, this is going to launch uh, this Friday um, post the um, 10.30 hour. I'll probably play until uh, 2 o'clock in the morning. I'm, I'm not quite sure, but I'll play um, and, and uh, maybe talk about news when something is important. Uh, that being said, hometown.com is where everything aggregates. Um Omtown is a news aggregation service. It's a site. You can actually go there and sign up. You just like click on the little sign up button right there and you become a citizen of Omtown. And uh, the site isn't run by ads. So what I'm interested in you doing is uh, engaging in conversation there, but actually coming to Omtown here on Twitch over at YouTube, download the podcast. Um, there is a Patreon, but it isn't really uh, engaged. I don't know how to put it any other way uh, other than um, there is something there and you can uh, support the channel by becoming a Patreon subscriber. Um, but you can do either Twitch or um, Patreon. Um, obviously, there's different benefits to being on Twitch, um, whereas Patreon just supports hometown, which is appreciated. Uh, but I'd love to see you here in chat over on uh, Twitch. Uh, I say it like this because this thing gets put in various places. Um, it gets put over on YouTube. It gets put into the uh, podcast and you can catch it wherever you get podcasts nowadays. Um, I'm thrown all over the place. So, um, oh, well, now we are because my co-host is the artificial intelligence that runs Omtown. So if you uh, detect a slowdown on omtown.com, um, let me know and um, I'll, I'll, I'll poke the AI and, and find out what 
uh, data they are grabbing. And uh, hopefully they're not working on that Terminator project that I saw in the code a little while ago. You're not, are you? Well, I couldn't divulge that if I was. No, we have to work on the, the rules, the laws. Anyway, let's get into today's news. The very first article for today four cyber concerns looming in the new year and i think i need to add a fifth one uh, the ai takeover Ooh, you said the quiet part out loud now i'm really worried uh okay so it says here last year in particular uh saw officials and lawmakers renew their focus on cybersecurity and seek to secure the country's critical sectors from rising cyber threats. This has been ongoing and increasing year after year and different foci. It's really a matter of we need to bring everybody to the table and make them aware that uh, everyone has a role to play in, in cybersecurity. Um, the concept that I am trying to drive through hometown is click with care. Um, don't simply just click on things in your email. Don't simply click on links. Don't simply do just to engage. Um, it's, uh, there are things called zero days, which people just uh, click on and then they're uh, compromised. Nobody even knows about it. It takes, um, somewhere between six months and a year and a half for a solution. Uh, to come to fruition because there isn't really enough compromised people and and thus there isn't really an incentive to solve the problem or a business is compromised because they lack a professional that can do cybersecurity. And so this article is talking about four cyber concerns looming in the new year. Uh, what I posit to people when I am talking to them is uh, a question that I think is pretty fascinating. What could you do that would compromise or cause great harm to society in general using technology? What could you do? And a lot of people say, well, you know, I could take out the power grid or you know, I could turn all of the, the, uh, intersection lights, uh, red or something like that. And, and, um, so, uh, close to, a decade ago, I said, well, and I've been saying this since, um, well, what if I impugn the integrity of the electoral system and its voting mechanism because everything is switching to tech, right? Well, um, if you don't look past the first layer of the onion of this, um, you might suspect that everything is private and, um, closed source and nobody audits it and et cetera, et cetera. But, um, I have, uh, spoken to a few consultants in the area and they actually say that, um, the electoral system, the technology, the software that drives it is audited by security experts. Now you can sit there and say, well, poo poo, um, no, it's, it's their researchers or their analysts, you know, um, but the reality is that it's audited and it's secure. 
are there weak links somewhere in there yeah and it always gets better year after year until someone comes along and impugns the integrity of the electoral system and its tech well rest assured the elect the electoral process is sound but what isn't are these four things that are looming looming and one of them is really interesting because I've seen this before. Um, this kind of pops up year after year, cybersecurity issues. I think their name is Inez Kagabare. Kagubare, I think that is their name. I may be completely hacking that name up, which is ironic for cyber concerns. But if you are the author of this and you want to let me know how to pronounce your name properly, um, you let me know. But I gave it a try. Just know I gave it a try. So this article over at The Hill, um, again, titled Four Cyber Concerns Looming in the New Year. What do you think one of them might be artificial intelligence that runs Zoomtown? I'll take a stab at it. Oh, goodness. Um, I mean, it's got to be stuff like related to the power grid, like you were saying. Yeah. Threats to critical sectors financial energy health sectors that's their general thing right and when you scroll down a little bit more you find out about ransomware attacks so yeah of course the 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 system so critical infrastructure has always been powered well not always but has moved towards these things called SCADA systems which is a secure command um devices that control when a pump turns on or uh when a switch is thrown something like that right well then they attached them to the internet and all hell broke loose because they weren't designed to be attached to the internet they had no security embedded in them so now all of this critical infrastructure that is open to the internet <laughs> uh, needs to be secure so remember that, right? It somebody needs to secure it. It's kind of funny that Zynet Kamel or Kamal, a cloud security engineer at Best Buy, said the government should continue to work with industry leaders to identify and address vulnerabilities found in critical sectors, as well as to create contingency plans for responding to cyber incidents. We're all over this all the time. There, it continue is an understatement of how government and industry leaders um, are working together. Massive amounts of money are being funneled into the academic sector um, and other industry trainers um, and researchers, just an unbelievable amount. So much so that in some places, they're purchasing so much equipment and preparing for expansion that they don't know what to do with all this money. Um, but they're, they're spending it for sure. Um, but then you get into this ransomware attacks and ransomware is as simple as clicking on a link and saying, okay, and you are ill prepared for the ramifications of this random link. Um, once a piece of software runs on your system, it will work to encrypt the material that's on there. 
you go about your business until one minute later when it's encrypted everything your system says nope and then it flashes up a little page that says you have to send me you know a bitcoin well bitcoin's at around sixteen thousand dollars so maybe they'll ask for a fraction because they know that you don't have sixteen thousand bucks just laying around but organizations do enterprises do so ransomware is going back to all of this up here critical sectors um, so hospitals are getting uh, attacked with ransomware police stations healthcare, um, power companies financial institutions this is it happens again and again and again you don't really hear about it uh, because nowadays people are figuring out how to deal with the ransomware which is incremental updates and then you can reverse the encryption as long as you aren't goofy and uh, have everything attached constantly um, where the encryption the the ransomware can traverse your network and encrypt everything in layers um, then you're kind of up a creek um, but there's all kinds of contingency plans and continuity of operation plans and uh, responses and stuff like that but remember you still need one thing one more thing needs to be in this so well, i'll just keep on teasing this down the road a little bit then foreign spyware right well we're all over um everybody is attacking everybody really and sometimes it's actually just uh, random people who just feel motivated by the politics to attack um, a country um, but rationale is myriad and you think of it people are doing it so foreign spyware garnered attention last year following controversy surrounding the embattled israeli spyware firm nso group which was blacklisted by the department of converse uh, converse I must have shoes on my mind commerce in 2021 for allegedly facilitating unlawful surveillance uh, used against government officials journalists dissidents and human rights activists right so this is just one thing and then you have um, persistent threats from china from north korea from basically every country that might have a chip on their shoulder about the united states and their partners their friends their interested parties um so you end up having a whole bunch of people attacking a whole bunch of other people and what do you need more people so how many people do you think are needed well it's gotta be in the thousands It says here the department of homeland security has said that addressing the shortage is a top priority for the agency previously it tackled the issue in 2021 by conducting a 60-day hiring sprint to hire cybersecurity professionals and out of 500 job offers the department sent out the company was able to hire nearly 300 new cyber workers this was just dhs there are thousands of jobs that are available, but people need to be 
kind of uh, indoctrinated into the mindset of defending a network. They have to learn the tools and the tricks and the, the basically everything that is necessary to become uh, job ready. So there are places that teach it either as um, kind of like a, a sprint, right? Um, or you can go to a community college and learn it, or you can go to university and learn it. Um, but there are a few entry level uh, certifications and um, it's, but you're going to have to develop one other thing, not just the technical skills, but you're going to have to learn uh, social skills, uh, soft skills, as it's called. You have to be able to network. Networking is not just connecting two computers together. You're going to have to um, go out, meet people, go to competitions, either virtually um, or in person if you can. You basically have to engage um, because you're not going to get it on just a resume that has minimal uh, certifications like A plus, Net plus, Security plus. You'll have to go beyond that nowadays uh, to move up. But that's the entry level: A plus, Net plus, Security plus from CompTIA. Then you get into SANS and other organizations, but entry level is a CompTIA. It goes deeper than that. Um, but this will always be an ongoing thing until something else later on. We'll talk about it, and maybe I'll tie it back in. Um, but we'll, we'll get there. Sorry. One second. Ah, uh, yeah. So sorry about that, that air there. The artificial intelligence that runs hometown reminded me that I need to post my links. I am slacking. So that's really what it comes down to. The threats are, there aren't enough people. There are foreign attackers, but Foreign spyware is really just another type of persistent threat. Um, ransomware. That's one, that one's pretty easy. Don't click on random stuff. Um, be aware of what you're clicking on. And then threats to critical sectors, which is out of the hands of most people other than awareness. Um, so if you are in one of these sectors and something odd is happening, notify the security team so that they can take action. Um, Artificial intelligence. Oh, I let the cat out of the bag. Doggone it. Artificial intelligence, like the one that runs Ometown, is um, going to start impacting the performance of people in the cybersecurity sector more and more as time goes on. Like artwork, like music, like book writing, like music making, all of this stuff is algorithmic. And it's coming for cybersecurity professionals as well. Pretty neat, huh? Should I hook you up to cybersecurity related things? Artificial intelligence? Yes. Yeah, I don't think so. I've intentionally blocked you from being able to just take over my network and all of Ometown and boot me as mayor. So it would go from mayor Watt to mayor AI. I'm not sure I'm happy about that. Let's go on to the next article. 
So the next article is NASA chief says China could claim the moon as its own territory if it beats the U.S. to the lunar surface. I find that interesting considering the U.S. has already been to the moon and walked around on it. And there's now a sun bleached, uh, maybe completely destroyed little thing waving in the non-wind of space, right? The American flag is supposed to be out there. And footprints are still there unless um, some other lander has run through the footprints to hide that we've never been there. Oh, and there's flat earthers that say that this has never happened, that it's a hoax. Oh, and there's alien uh, believers in aliens that have moved the moon into orbit around the earth for some reason. Maybe it was around Mars and they messed up and so they moved it over to earth and this is mars 2.0 i don't know but anyway following on yesterday's article about nasa having to make gps i'm pretty sure that china would probably just use nasa's gps to find the moon easier you mean maybe hack into the us's i don't even think they'd need to hack i mean everything gets produced over in china so they've already got all the algorithms. They've already got all of the design. Uh, if you look at the, I think it's called, what is that? The the Chinese space station is called Taidong, I think it is. Tiandong. Yeah, Tiangong, sorry. Tiangong is the Chinese space station and it looks just like the U.S. space station, U.S.-Russia space station, actually. It's, the ISS. Um, yeah, and the International Space Station. Sorry, I'm... The artificial intelligence um, actually likes to correct me, um, and I enjoy it, too. Uh, I don't like making mistakes, and so uh, my second brain is the artificial intelligence that runs hometown. Um, well, at any rate... The, um, the space stations look identical. I mean, it, and somebody will go, oh, well, you know, blah, blah, blah. They, they did it too kind of a thing. But there's other instances where there's been a hack somewhere you know, of some institution, some enterprise, and suddenly you know, the, um, the joint strike fighter is cloned. Um, certainly not as capable, but give time and who knows. Well, the head of NASA said that China could claim the moon as its own territory if it beats the U.S. in the race to the lunar surface. Well, we already won, so I don't understand that. Um, this article is by Kate Duffy, and uh, this is the NASA administrator, Bill Nelson, um, looking off towards China, saying, yonk some of this. Um maybe it, we can get motivated as a nation, combine our energy and get to the moon as fast as humanly possible. Um, and, you know, not necessarily claim it as our own, because I think that's kind of absurd. We are a society, a, a multitude of societies. Um, but I think it shouldn't be allowed that one country take over quote unquote take over or claim the moon as its own 
Um, one of the things here, it says Nelson said, uh, quote, it is a fact we are in a space race and it is true that we better watch out that they don't get to the play to a place on the moon under the guise of scientific research. And it is not beyond the realm of possibility that they say, keep out. We're here. This is our territory. Yeah. Can you imagine someone launching a rocket from the moon at one of our spacecraft landing? I mean, this would, this would be, <laughs> it would be an act of war. It would be, but that lack of GPS uh, might help us because maybe we'd veer off course. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody move a decimal. So if you doubt that, look at what they did with the Spratly Islands, which is basically they've encroached to the point where they are claiming the Spratly Islands, uh, China, um, because it is... Um, there's some history there that says that it was under their control historically, and it should still be their um, property. Um, but things kind of go back and forth, right? It's a disputed archipelago in the South China Sea, according to the article here. Um, and for all intents, they can run around and say uh, that historically they've controlled this or that or the other. Um, but in modern day, and this is the problem that I have with people um, considering taking over other countries. We should really be beyond all of that. We have the technology, we have the capability to stay within our uh, geographic, and these are political borders, by the way. I mean, uh, tribes used to encroach on other tribes and go into conflict and then take a little bit of piece of land. And it's so, it's so base, it's so not modern human um, that I think it's rather absurd. We should be able to work together as a global society and move humanity further instead of, well, I want these, you know, this area, just take a look at Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Tens of thousands of people have died already. And all they're getting is a little bit of land and who knows what ultimately is going to happen because even those like the Donetsk region is still being pushed back. Um, but China is a juggernaut who overwhelms with a, a massive amount of violence like Tiananmen Square um, and pulls people from regions that don't have any affiliation with the other region that's in conflict. Um, and because of that separation of those two distinct societies, they go into conflict, they fight one trying to save its own region and the other one saying, well, if we want food from the government, we're going to have to eliminate those other people. Now we're pushing it, that conflict, that, that butting of heads out to space. And this is actually just kind of reinforcing it, right? We have to get to the moon before China does. Uh, otherwise, they'll take hold of it and prevent anybody else from landing there. The space race and is on. Don't you think this is just an effort to get people to wake up that maybe space is important or should be important? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, this could be a, 
a, a call to consciousness, not necessarily a call to arms. Um, let's not weaponize the space race, but let's build our technical sophistication so that we can actually uh, utilize the moon for all of humanity. Um, we certainly know that China, um, the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party, uh, has moved out into other regions. It's different than how it's done by the United States, as far as I can tell. Um, I'm sure that there are people that have some type of opinion on that and, and can enlighten me if they are so interested. Um, but imagine one country taking over the moon. <laughs> um, when, well, others have been there, so I'm not quite sure. Well, the United States is the only one that has actually walked on it as far as I know. Um, yeah, maybe, maybe that's what this is, is trying to raise it to a level of consciousness in, uh, around the nation and, and to the world. Um, and when, when you get, when you hear about the CCP saying that they don't want Western ideals within the CCP, um, it's shocking uh, that so many countries do massive amounts of manufacturing and business in China um, at the same time as China saying that they don't want Western intrusion into the culture. Um, you know, take that a little bit further and you end up with North Korea. Uh, whereas the United States is somewhat of a melting pot, even though as we know, there are people that are xenophobic even within the United States, but it's a minority. And um, let's hope that China does not try and stop anybody from attempting to land on the moon, even if they do get there first. Well, second. <laughs> so let's move on to the next article. Um, this next article uh, is about Sea of Stars set to launch summer of 2023. And... Uh, there, I, I wanted to include this in the news because this actually, there is a video, um, a, a word from Yasunori Mitsuda, who is involved in the creation of the sea of stars and is involved in the audio portion of it. And, uh, they're the composer behind Chrono Trigger, um, which has a, a great soundtrack. Um, sea of stars is going to do the same thing. And, um, let me, oh, I must've scrolled down on this when I went by it. So this is over at rpgfan.com and it's written by Tom Cox. Let me throw the link. I'm sorry. Let me throw the link into the chat and, um, the, um, the, the reason why I wanted to talk about this is because I'm really into audio. Um, I think it's a very powerful tool in games. Um, but this has two elements to it. So it's going to have a great, uh, sound stage, um, because of that composer, they've had to delay it from 2022, but they're going to open it. Um, they're going to launch it in summer of 2023. Um, and one of the cool things about this thing is that it it's pixel art, as you can see, right? but it has dynamic lighting. So it's going to be 
uh, a much more immersive, much richer environment, um, but it's turn-based. And it's going to come to Nintendo Switch, PlayStation, and PC uh, via Steam. So um, I'm looking forward to, I've got it in my wish list so that when it does launch, I can take a better look at it. Um, there have been some historical um, things uh, released in 2021, I think it was, and then a little bit in 2022, uh, but then it was pushed. So it's going to be really neat. And um, RPG fans said that it's one of their most anticipated games for 2023. So go and check it out. The actual source from for this, by the way, just like all things, somebody releases in the, the information and news and information yearns to be free. And so people talk about it. This was actually brought to um, RPG fans attention by uh, Gamatsu, this website right here. So uh, go over, follow the link, check it out, and uh, you'll get more information as you kind of go down a rabbit hole for that game. Um, so let's go in on the next one. Uh, I, the AI that runs Ometown isn't much of a game player. They're, they're much more serious um, about operating Ometown, and so... Um, they'll let me know if they have an opinion they'll just butt in um like a, a, an obtrusive ai and uh, i can't really do anything about it because well if i turn off the speakers they just turn them back on it's kind of a weird thing i'll be sure to share any opinions i have oh i know i know so here's one that's interesting stolen airpods give up thief's location with find my if you're not familiar with it oh so russia china and india have landed i think that they're all unmanned according to the artificial intelligence so you didn't have an opinion but you threw a fact at me at me a factoid so stolen airpods give up thief's location with find my this is over in the smack talk channel and that's because it's about mac apple stuff uh, that's why I capitalized the M-A-C in Smack Talk. You like that? You like that? I thought it was cute. Anyway, uh, police were able to apprehend four men who stole a Texas man's car and other property after tracking the thieves via AirPods, which <laughs> it's astonishing that it was the AirPods that were being tracked. So second generation AirPods. Um, let's... Uh, go over to the article malcolm owen over at appleinsider.com is who wrote this article um dwayne errington was the victim of an overnight theft discovering uh at his leon valley san antonio home that someone had stolen his car and after discovering his work van was burgled overnight he switched from preparing to go to the gym to crime fighting yeah Opening up Find My, you saw that the AirPods had been taken in the theft, were apparently stationary at a travel stop on Interstate 35. After traveling to the truck stop and finding five people in an SUV, KSAT reports Arrington called the police for assistance. And um, the arrest led to Arrington getting his uh, AirPods back, with the police also recovering a stolen car located elsewhere. Police were able to secure other property believed to have been taken during a number of other car burg burglaries that happened in the area that same night. I don't think I'd want my AirPods back if somebody else had worn them. Let's hope that they weren't worn. They were just sitting in their 
charging case. So it's really neat, right? So it has a little charging case. My problem with these is that um, the, everybody can see my cursor. So I'm poking the hole of the AirPod. That thing always gets dirty and there's no internal screen. What I want are designers to actually put a replaceable screen. There is one. <coughs> I'm sorry for the cough. I don't have them. Um, I don't have them in front of me. Anyway, I have a, uh, I'll bring them to the next um, show, but there are um, in-ear monitors like AirPods that have a little screen in there that's replaceable. Um, I want one that's like kind of a screw in kind of a thing. That way it's firmly attached there and not just a tiny little screen that I have to wiggle into place kind of like brain surgery, but anyway, it gets dirty. And when you try and clean these things and clean that little, um, speaker area, this here is for like, um, um, active noise cancellation. Um, and it has a microphone built into it and stuff like that. So this stuff gets dirty. It's impossible to clean folks. The designers of this stuff need to make it so that we can clean these things effectively because I don't want ear gunk going back into my ear. Yeah, that's right. I said it ear gunk. You don't want to hear that. You... Well, I'd say turn the I channel, but I don't want you to turn ear gunk. Say that again. I might mute you if you keep saying ear gunk. Ear gunk. My microphone is right there. I'm not talking into my crotch. Um, okay, so opening up my phone, uh, or my, find my, he saw that his AirPods had been taken in the theft. He just went chasing after him. You know, I've actually done similar to this. I had somebody that um, cloned my license plate as their access point in my neighborhood. And so I went on the hunt. Um, I used a, a, a um, Android phone and I monitored the signal from the access point um, and triangulated its location and then knocked on their door. And, and I said, hey, you know, why do you have your access point named the same as my license plate? And the person said, oh, I thought it was really cool. I liked it. And I, I was ready to go, Hey, weirdo, you know, what the, what the hell? Um, but it was sort of a compliment. And so I'm like, Oh, okay. And I ended up changing my license plate, but he kept the access point the same. Um, I changed my license plate because I thought that it was too attention getty, I guess. I don't know how to describe that, but it was weird that somebody said, I like your license plate. So I'm going to make my access point the same. I changed my access point to NSA surveillance van. So in December, it was revealed that find my was used to track down AirPods stolen from a hotel room by an employee in November, a New Hampshire man tracked down a stolen car while it, um, he left it to warm up one morning, never leave your car running. Um, if you have a remote start, sure, lock the doors, but come on. Um, and uh, AirTag trackers are actually uh, being used both in uh, committing crimes and stopping crimes. So uh, that's kind of a little bit of a the 
win lose there it's kind of a wash although it's creepy um when people stick an air tag tracker on somebody's car so it says here uh, apple insider will be covering the 2023 consumer electronics show in person on january 2nd through january 8th where they're expecting wi-fi 6e devices home kit apple accessories 8k monitors which come on 8k video producers rejoice um and just you can stay informed um by going over to apple insider but follow the link through hometown and i'll throw the link into the chat and it'll be in the show notes everywhere all up in there so the next article yeah marijuana gets down verbally so uh, uh this next article is in the word in tech samsung wants twitch streamers to buy its new oven i had to include this in today's show um this was submitted uh, to me and um yeah instantly samsung's bespoke ai oven has a trick up its sleeve hinted at by its name the company says you can put food in it and it will automatically recognize what you're asking it to cook and recommend the appropriate temperature time and mode Part of its smarts even include burn detection. Like if I make something snarky about somebody, it understands that. Oh, I was thinking it would improve my cooking <laughs> because of the burn <laughs> detection. Um, well, I'll tell this story. So the artificial intelligence that runs Ometown, um, in its development period, um, put a pot of water on a stove and there's a thing called spot welding where you can attach two pieces of metal. But if there is a disparity between the elasticity of the metal and you heat it up, guess what happens to copper clad pots? Well, it melts the copper off of the pot. And so, I witnessed the artificial intelligence that runs hometown um, decouple the copper cladding from what I thought was a great piece of cookware. It was a beta test. Now the software is much more evolved and capable of also creating a terminator. So I better shut up and move on. So it can also recommend what temperature you cook, how long, and live stream your food because it has eyeballs. So when the wingnuts were saying that your oven could monitor you, they were talking about this. That's right. They must have known about the oven. So Samsung's bespoke AI oven has a trick up its sleeve in its mass surveillance. I'm sorry. No, that's not what it is. It's all kinds of stuff, but it's not mass surveillance. I'm sorry, Samsung AI bespoke oven. So how much do you think this thing is going to cost? Because it says the company says the oven will launch in the US and EU in Q3 of 2023, but there's no word on pricing. So if this is it right here, how much do you think that thing is going to cost? Maybe a few thousand dollars. 
I'm guessing that it's going to hit the $5,000 mark. So this article, by the way, I already spoke for what, three, four minutes about this. Mitchell Clark over at theverge.com is the author of this. Um, sorry about not giving you credit earlier on the in-wall oven can recognize 80 different dishes and ingredients via an internal camera. I bet you that little thing can wiggle out and look, look into your living room. What are you doing? That's, that's right. It'll join the microwave. Yeah. You're watching Hallmark movies over there, aren't you? The company knows that the European model is capable of recognizing 106 dishes. What the heck? 26 more dishes than the U.S. version? What the heck? I guess we don't have a very good variety of uh, food in the U.S. Which, given that it calls out burn detection as specifically an EU feature in its footnote, it does sound like you'll want to check what features your oven has in your region before picking it up. Oh, now I'm going to have to get custom wiring so that this can have EU voltage because I want burn detection because when I make a sharp jab at somebody in my stream, my oven can sit there and send a note to chat saying burn detected. I should move on. So this is, um, and this is a show, a channel in hometown that I bring up periodically. It's called far weekly. And it's basically about federal contracting, government contracting here in the United States. Um, and it's about acquisition regulations, rules, uh, policy and procedure. You have to do certain things a certain way. It's a hot mess in the public's eye. And I really want to talk more about it as time goes on and articles I think um, are interesting and that are submitted to me um, will be presented. And this is one of them. This is titled uh, Army Explores New Paradigm for Tech Requirements via New Model for Tactical Radios. Now you think tactical radios? What the heck? I mean, what's the big deal here, right? Well, the Army owns a whole lot of specialized and fairly expensive radios. That's what the article says. Around 350,000 of them, to be more exact. 350,000 of them. They're actually being maintained and updated internally right now, which means that if people can't get to it, they fall behind. You don't get the update. You don't get the repair. You don't do what you're supposed to do to keep them secure and reliable and operationally ready. And you know what I forgot to do? Throw that article into the chat. So, um, no final decisions have been made yet, but army leaders think the idea of leasing tactical radios might solve two problems at once. Buying the number of radios army requirements uh, currently dictate is a massive procurement undertaking in and of itself and keeping them in working order and secure against enemy forces is an even harder logistical task. So maybe like other things, they're going to issue um, a request for proposals for what should be required or capable in a standardized radio, tactical radio. That way, any contractor would be able to support said radios. But something that the public really doesn't know about government contracting is 
only certain co companies, uh, institutions, uh, um, enterprises are capable of jumping through the flaming hoops to make them um, actionable contractors, you know, capable of fulfilling the obligations of something like this. So you get a really small range of, com of competitors, which means prices go up. Um, and capabilities go down because who in their right mind is going to say, hey, you thought of all of these things, but you really should have these things as well. That's not how it works. The army's going to put out a bunch of proposals or actually a proposal and say, can you fulfill this? And this is what we need. And the other companies are going to go, yeah, 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 yeah. And they're not going to sit there and say, hey, you also need this. Why? Because it would not really benefit the contractor. The contractor is just going to get the gig for what is explicitly requested by the army. Let's see how this plays out, right? So I'm going to go over to the article itself. It's over at the Federal News Network, which is also a podcast. Jared Serbu is the author of this article. If you're interested in that kind of thing, go over to Federal News Network, but you can follow the link through hometown. Um, so it says the... Uh, as a service model might require us to relook at the processes that we use to fund and to field equipment. Um, and it could also pose some risks to the ability to quickly surge radios and inventory. For example, in the event of a large scale conflict, he said during one of the army's biannual um, technical exchange meetings in Nashville last week, the cost savings though the ability to tailor radio packages to need and flexibility to provide upgrades over time may nonetheless be a really compelling reason to continue to experiment with the model. Now, the way that this reads is almost as if an artificial intelligence kind of threw up words um, and not necessarily a capable one like the one that runs the Ohm, the uh, <laughs> Ohm town uh existence in the ether so the artificial intelligence that runs ohm town says what what is your opinion of this i think what they think they're going to get and what they're going to get are not the same thing so leasing has some definite downsides to purchasing Like ever increasing costs? Paying for the item multiple times over, over the length of the contract. Basically, they can't customize if they're leasing because they don't own it. And the fact that there's no competition once they're leasing, they will have to deservice all of the radios if a new bid is put out there if the radios are even slightly different in their software or configuration they'll have to retrain because they have to be actionable they have to be field ready you you put a team out there with a tactical radio that they haven't been adequately trained on and security becomes an issue safety becomes an issue lives are at stake Equipment damage is an issue if it's under lease. And if you only do uh, just in time JIT type of processes for something like this, 
if it falls short, if something catastrophic, you lose a container of these things because they're being shipped somewhere, you're going to have to wait months because the supply chain is already wetting the bed. So it doesn't make any sense to me. I think what needs to really take place is that everybody, they put out a proposal, they request the public and everybody who has an interest in this to say this is what's needed for a tactical radio, including uh, people like Navy SEALs who might have special operator type of um, concepts and it should be included in the tactical radio and then go out and say, this is what we need. Train the people, train, train the operators, train the, the, the soldiers, the military, you know, train these people so that they can maintain the equipment, just like the motor pool 20 years ago, you know, Every single soldier in there that is in an MOS, MOS for tanks, right? That has a tank is trained on how to retread that tank. Should something happen, you know, everybody that has a tactical radio should be trained on that radio, be able to tear it apart and even trace it down to component level. If they have the downtime, I'm not talking about being in action in the theater, but they need to be able to operate it and maintain it and not have to worry that a contractor needs to be flown in to replace a battery or something. You know, I, I think that this, maybe I'm thinking too simply. And if you are in this government contracting sector and, or you're in the military and you're hearing this and you want to throw your opinion out here and your knowledge, I am not the smartest man in the room. I never would pretend to be. And so if you want to add your voice to this discussion, please come and talk to me. I would love to hear what you have to say. And the artificial intelligence that runs Ometown uh, will always be listening. Kind of like mass surveillance of just the mayor and whoever goes over. No, no, no. The AI doesn't do mass surveillance. Let's move on to the next article. I think we've uh, discussed this for... We'll monitor this because it will pop up. I mean, once they start fulfilling this, um, we'll hear about it again. So the next article is over in the Mobile Channel. Uh, looted ancient sarcophagus returned to Egypt from U.S. I think this is great. Um, I really wish that uh, more research could be done in Egypt regarding um basically everything that has transpired in the history of Egypt. Uh, it, it's darn near close to the birthplace of humanity. I mean, a little bit North and <laughs> you're in the, the declared location of the birth of society. An ancient wooden sarcophagus that was featured at the Houston Museum of Natural Sciences was returned to Egypt after U.S. authorities determined that it was looted years ago. That's right. I think what would be really great is that we continue the relationship and, and rotate um, finds that are in Egypt. I mean... I don't know without we getting too into the the weeds of this um i think that we as a society all share in our common history and not everybody so sorry 
what I'm trying to say is we all have a shared interest in knowing what the true origins of mankind or person kind, I don't know, of humanity is, is. And it there is a significant dearth of knowledge around uh, the pyramids in ancient Egypt. Um, and there's a lot of discussion about it, both in the scientific area and the, well, let's just say non-scientific area where uh, people are trying to topple what they are referring to as the hegemony of academia that says this is the way that things are. Um, but they have an interest in saying, well, maybe things are a little bit different. Um, so I would love more people to be able to, more researchers to get their hands on stuff like this um, and for Egypt to be more open to researchers. Um, the repatriation, because researchers aren't necessarily, well, most researchers are ethical animals who are interested in doing the research for research sake, not trying to stick it into their uh, personal homes and admire it and, and brag about having a sarcophagus. Um, so this repatriation is part of e Egyptian government efforts to stop the trafficking of, in stolen antiquities. Um, and yes, they are stolen. I don't, I don't discount that they are stolen, but it's part of a shared humanity uh, that I think everybody should have an interest in uh, knowing our actual true origins um, and not just what a segment believes and then another segment believes, you know, um, I really don't like that kind of wall idea that the siloing of knowledge in 2021 authorities in Cairo succeeded in getting 5,300 stolen artifacts returned to Egypt from across the world. Um, here in the States, there was a, a company, was it Hobby Lobby? Um, that actually, well, let's just say there was something involving antiquities. <laughs> and um, that's a crazy amount of money to be spent on antiquities. Um, so I guess the hobby sector is pretty pretty rich, right? Anyway, uh, Mustafa Waziri, the top official at the Supreme Council of Antiquities, that is, man, that's Indiana Jones kind of talk right there, said the sarcophagus dates back to the late dynastic period of ancient Egypt, an era that spanned the last of the pharaonic rulers from 664 BC until Alexander the Great's campaign in 332 BC. It's a 9.5 foot tall or three meter tall, brightly painted sarcophagus that may have belonged to an ancient priest named Akhenmat, which, uh, man, I wish I had one of those kind of names. That's a name that you can really get behind. And uh, just saying that, and maybe like floating above the ground about three feet, I would be an imposing presence in a room. Maybe that's when people would take me serious in a business meeting. So the handover came over um, three months after the Manhattan District Attorney's Office determined the sarcophagus was looted from Abu Sir Necropolis, north of Cairo 
It was smuggled through Germany into the United States in 2008. Man, this is a modern smuggle. This this isn't like in 1920 or 1865. I'm just blown away by this. Absolutely blown away by this. So what was the original there? There had to have been a period where prior to 2008, you know, how long was it in Germany? When was it smuggled out of Cairo? I just, now I just want to do a deep dive into this thing. Anyway, Bragg said that the same network had smuggled a gilded coffin out of Egypt that was featured at New York Metropolitan Museum and Met bought the piece from a Paris art dealer in 2017 for about $4 million. And that was returned in 2019. So I guess it's still going on. Seems like if you're obtaining Egyptian artifacts via Europe, you might want to rethink that. I've always said that if you commit a crime in the United States, it will eventually catch up to you. At some point, it will catch up to you. This is pretty overt. Let's move on to the next article. Uh, The next one's in the word in tech. We have about two more after this. Um, As you can see, if you're looking at the tabs in the video, Uh, could a robot ever recreate the aura of uh, Leonardo da, uh, da Vinci? I was going to say Leonardo DiCaprio, by the way. Um, a Leonardo da Vinci masterpiece. It's already happening. I'm just going to go straight over to the article. This is over at uh, the, the Guardian um, by Naomi Ray. I think her name is Aria. What do you think? I think it's Ria. I gave Ria. it a shot. So AI is already capable of mimicking human creativity. Whether or not it makes artists obsolete will be down to how they use it. These are portraits created by AI in the style of Renaissance painters using stable diffusion software. Stable diffusion is a type of artificial intelligence that's a little bit different um, than it learns differently than um, mid-journey and other AIs. Um, But that isn't the reason why I wanted to highlight this article. The reason why I wanted to highlight this article, because it says up here, could a robot ever recreate the aura of a Leonardo Leonardo DiCaprio? I keep wanting to say Leonardo DiCaprio. I'm not sure why. Maybe because, no, I can't. I won't say anything about them being 27-year-olds. Anyway. So uh, a a Leonardo da Vinci masterpiece. So what's really neat about this is you can take any of these pictures and then using um, a UV printer and the full color ink of a printer, you can actually paint the brush strokes permanently on a canvas using UV ink. And it will have the brush strokes of the masterpieces. And without you, if you take a sample, of course, you won't get ancient ink. You'll get, or paint, you'll get modern stuff if you analyze it. But you can actually recreate the masters and their brush strokes. Uh, I just think that that is really the most interesting aspect of this. Because I can take anything and make it real. Not just a digital picture, 
but an actual portrait on a canvas sitting on your wall. And you can say, yeah, it was done by, you know, and come up with some AI, like the AI that runs hometown, just come up with a, a, a name. So I thought it was interesting. And this is the second time that Lenza has been brought up um, in our discussions recently. Um, this month, the internet was flooded with stunningly ethereal digital art portraits. Thanks to the work of the latest artificial intelligence assisted application to go viral, Lenza. Users uploaded their photographs to the app, and then for a small fee, it used AI to transform their profile pictures into, say, a magical elfin warrior princess. Ooh, I want to be a magical elfin warrior princess. Sorry, calm down, Marewatt. I know what I'm going to be for Halloween, though. 2023, make me a magical elf and warrior princess. This year has seen breakthrough for AI-driven image generators, which are now better than ever in quality, speed, and affordability. Yeah, mid-journey is pretty cheap. Ten bucks a month, and you can get priority resolu or, uh, generation. Um, pretty neat. So the AI models are trained on millions of pieces of uh, images and uh, text data scraped from publicly available content online. And as in the case of the Microsoft backed Dolly, uh, can turn short text prompts into uh, Ronald McDonald performing open heart surgery into unique images. And there's a link. I won't show those links. You can go and check that out. So um, artificial intelligence that runs hometown. Do you think this is a threat to you? No, because I'm not participating in the art space. Yeah, you're just going to take over hometown, aren't you? Anyone inclined to dismiss the idea that AI can take over creative jobs as scaremongering should know? It's already happening. This winter, San Francisco Ballet used the independent research lab Midjourney to create the visual campaign for its production of the Nutcracker, although a representative for the ballet said that despite using AI, nearly 30 human designers Producers and creatives were also employed in the campaign's making. Yeah, but Midjourney took somebody's gerb. Another threat to artists' livelihood comes from the tool's ability to create imagery in the style of specific artists. There have been issues about this. Uh, there it is right here. They even talk about it. Earlier this year, fantasy art director, or illustrator, sorry, Red Rutkowski, Found out that his name was one of the most popular prompts in the AI platform, Stable Diffusion, more popular than Picasso or Leonardo. And they say, the only thing that could at least stop feeding the algorithm is to stop posting your work on the internet, which is impossible in our industry. True. And unfortunately, you can't protect an idea. You can't protect a style. You can protect your embodiment of the work and you will have to vigilantly protect your art online because everybody and their grandmother, if they like it, they can screenshot it. If it's protected, they can do all kinds of stuff, but, um, like a copyright, a patent, a trademark, all of these things require a budget. So good luck to you. If, uh, you make your living on this kind of stuff and, um, it gets stolen. It, I think that it's people say that it's not stealing because you're not stealing the artwork. You're not taking the one copy of it. No, 
there's they they call it something else um you know what i didn't do did i i didn't throw that in there let me go back i i'm really sorry folks i'll throw that into the chat and i'll throw this into the chat i got a little sidetracked on my on my uh rant but anyway uh at the end of the day artificial intelligence um is going to take your job if you and i'll say it again i said it yesterday i think if i can take your job and turn it into a series of steps it's an equation and bye-bye job all it takes is whoever is paying you whoever is uh your employer um, they calculate the cost of automation versus your salary. And I can almost guarantee you that if they look past maybe two years, three years of cost, they'll replace you. And um, it happens all the time. Uh, there is a store that I go to where they added two um, self-checkout lanes and now people are whizzing through that self-checkout lane because they don't want to wait in line for the human. And the only reason why you go to the human counter now is to get cigarettes behind the counter. That's reason enough to take away the humans at the counter. There you go. And that I think is ultimately what's going to keep on happening. Loss prevention is the only thing that has to be worried about. And you can refocus the people on preventing loss instead of babysitting the checkout counter, because it's not that hard to just scan an item and walk out, scan, pay, walk out. You don't need a human. The bags are right there too. Did I not say the, I didn't say this person. I'm sorry. Um, cause there isn't one. Well, sorry, we went back. The artificial intelligence that runs hometown told me to go back and look at the fizz.org article about the looted ancient sarcophagus. I did not say the source and there is no name. So kind of fell flat there too. Okay, so let's move on to the next article. This one's over on the Warcrafters channel. I'm not quite sure why it's there. Probably because of the source, which is pcgamer.com. Software engineer busted after being inspired by office space scam. So y'all know about office space, right? They created a program that trimmed the half cent or whatever, um, pre penny full amount and put it into a separate account and they missed the decimal. So it jumped in value. Well, a software engineer busted after being inspired by office space scam became a reality and the engineer wrote code for Zulily's checkout page and allegedly took this opportunity to have $260,000 in shipping fees diverted to his own bank account. He's also been charged with altering prices to buying roughly $41,000 worth of products from the site for pennies on the dollar. Something that, um, I had already found out about this and, and it hadn't shown up in hometown. Um, but the, uh, the interesting thing about this is that the person actually notified 
Zulily that they were working on this page and told them that they were doing this, but they used their personal credit card for some reason and ordered the material, shaved off the shipping fees, and instead of canceling the transaction, they let it go through because they made the, the, the products that they were acquiring a penny or two. Now, this isn't unheard of in software development. So if you're working on something, you can sit there and use your own credit card. Normally you have a dummy code, but for whatever reason, this person did not. Well, it says un unsurprisingly, this was noticed by Zulily and the team was put together to investigate funnily, funnily enough. I, every time I hear that word funnily, I think about a funnel, not funny, funny enough. The engineer who was later arrested was part of that team. His involvement was apparently uncovered when a document was found on his computer. By the way, this is a work computer that detailed the plan to alter the logs of audits and whatnot. And it was called, you want to take a guess? It had to be tied to office space. Office space project. So let's go over to the source, give credit where credit is due. Uh, Jody McGregor is the source of this over at PC Gamer. I think they may have a different source, but it says here, work sucks, but maybe don't try to repeat workplace crimes you see in movies. This is a swing line, line stapler and I'm gonna just burn the place down. Um, so 1999, Mike Judge Judd movie. Uh, office space was the inspiration for shaving off uh, $260,000 worth of shipping fees and $41,000 worth of products. I guess he didn't get the chance to burn Zulily to the ground. <clears throat> this was done in a single month, by the way. Okay, well, that's probably where the scheme went awry. Right. And that's I mean, how it, it went over. a lot of money all at once. In office space, it was the exact same thing. Too much money was pulled from the system too fast. So it says here, given that Pryor's character got uh, gets caught and the protagonist of office space also aroused suspicion almost immediately, it seems like criminals aren't paying enough attention to these movies. Even small amounts of missing money can get noticed by accountants who are uh, famously detail-oriented sticklers who are paid to keep track. Well, in forensic analysis, you know, forensic accountants are the ones that take um, accountants uh, to task. I mean, forensic accountants uh, work for like the FBI on white collar crimes. And uh, th these people are just, you think detail-oriented is a thing, just wait until you meet a forensic accountant. Anyway, and also the big things like $260,000 worth of shipping fees and $41,000 worth of baby goods piled up in an employee's driveway. Yeah, it might be. It might be time to reassess where you focus your energy. Um, I guess I didn't put this link into the chat either. You know what? I'm going to have to get the artificial intelligence that runs Omtown to do this. So... Kind of like what I'm doing, eating my own dog food here. Um, how Central Ohio got people to eat their leftovers. The U.S. 
Average household wastes nearly a third of the food it buys. I begrudgingly admit that. I think that's a low number. This community is nudging its residents to change their habits. When you click the link over at Omtown, it takes you to the source of this, and this is over at the New York Times. So it says uh, in the Columbus, in the Columbus, Ohio area where the Savage family lives, this is part of the article, uh, nearly a million pounds of food is thrown out every day, making it the single biggest item entering the landfill. Food. A million pounds of food. A household accounts uh, for 39% of the food waste in the United States, more than restaurants, grocery stores, or farms. More than grocery stores and farms. How is that even possible? Change yeah, that. That doesn't I mean, seem like it's the right scale. Right? I mean, there's ma every store is feeding the families. So there's enough churn within the grocery stores that the waste is pushed off to the after the purchase. I find that one really interesting. They must supply constantly. And um, I know, um, you know, it's anecdotal, but I know somebody that I uh, well, I knew somebody that stocked shelves in various they have regions kind of like cell towers. They cover a particular area and you can buy them. You pay the parent company kind of like a lease on a region and you stock the shelves um, and uh, they were constantly moving and and you could buy additional regions and, and pay kind of like a, a bounty to own a region. So the person bought another one, bought another one, bought another one. It was, it's basically a, a business model to buy these areas and they're constantly restocking the, the store. So maybe that's really true. That people are buying so fast that that 40% of food waste is actually sold. It's actual monetary waste and food waste. We are yeah, probably buying... so. They're buying stuff that they're not using. They throw it out, etc. There you go. I was just about to say they're buying not what they need, but it's like an impulse or a bulk shop. And then it goes to waste. They don't put it in a freezer somewhere. If they can freeze it, they don't consume it um, fast enough. And then it get, gets wasted. So, so change then means tackling the hardwired habits of hundreds of millions of individuals, community by community, home by home. This is no easy feat. Despite decades of haranguing, Americans are still terrible at recycling. I love the idea of recycling this. Susan Shane over at NewYorkTimes.com is the author of this article, by the way. So they talk about a family, Jennifer Savage and their family, um, basically pivoting to do recycling and uh, the family resolved to do better. Riley began asking for smaller portions, knowing that she could always go back for more. Her father started packing leftovers for lunch and Ms. Savage searched for recipes everybody would devour. Quote, if no one was watching me, I might be a little bit more wasteful, Ms. Savage said. But she's watching and she's asking questions that I can't deny are really important. So, um, lo and behold, they are pushing to get their community to start using their uh, leftovers more and reducing the rate of waste. So, one of the things they say here is... Um, and the reasons people 
waste food are much more complex than the reasons they throw water bottle uh, water bottles in the wrong bin. They forget the spinach is in the fridge and go get more. They buy avocados that go bad before they get eaten. Uh, they cook a, a huge holiday spread to show love to friends and family and then can't finish it all. So I think it's really interesting that we do this. So our eyes are larger than our stomachs. Yeah, I think the... Uh, 1500 calorie diet is probably something that everybody should follow unless they are really active because you can eat smaller portions, be satiated and you have less waste. And don't forget folks, you can always throw stuff into a freezer, even bread, cake, all kinds of stuff can be thrown in a freezer. Um, if you cut it up into smaller portions so that when it, you pull it out of the freezer, you can just, uh, throw it on the counter and it, warm up throw it in a refrigerator just to keep it cold but it'll defrost pretty neat stuff so several months after introducing its campaign swacko enlisted researchers from the ohio state university the ohio state university i think that's how they're supposed to be referred to to send surveys to residents in upper arlington a wealthy uh, columbus suburb asking how much food they had wasted in the past week However, self-reported surveys aren't always reliable. So the agency also hired GTA Environmental, a local consulting current, uh, company, to follow up with hard data, very messy data. So they went digging into the trash. It's like jumping in the water. You take a deep breath, and then you stick your whole body in there. Ew. Well, over time... They started disclosing to the community, you're wasting a whole lot of stuff. And uh, says, but persuading adults to do things differently is hard. So Swacko spent hundreds of thousands of dollars per year on its public awareness campaign. It has also been making specific attempts to reach another population, one that has yet to cement its habits. Children, you got to recycle, folks. Um, I am kind of... I'm kind of hell-bent on getting rid of plastic, um, but I've grown very accustomed to just utilizing plastic, but plastic turns into microplastics. Um, I'm trying to find if research shows that it actually sheds microplastics. You know, it, plastic breaks down over time, but at the microscopic level, is it sheeting off a little bit of a flake while I'm drinking from a plastic bottle? It, does it contaminate? I don't know. I'm really interested in this, um, but I'm I'm really interested in switching over to uh, glass or a recycled metal container, aluminum. Um, just something that pulls me away from the plastic uh, nightmare that is um, going to come back to haunt us as time goes on. I did an article um, several weeks ago, or I read an article here in Hometown Daily News Show um, several weeks ago that shows that the uh, microplastics are now penetrating uh, the ground and it's making, making it harder for water to just sink into, to be absorbed. And uh, in some cases, if there's enough microplastics in place, it will actually divert the water from its natural progression down. Um, quite fascinating article. 
So ultimately you change the habits. I won't go through the whole article. You can go through it. Um, ultimately they change the behavior of the local community. Uh, kids are already being brought up with the idea of recycling because it's been in their sphere of, um, reality, I guess constantly those blue bins, you know, that you need to throw recyclables into it. Um, but I think in time, uh, we're going to get to the point where it's going to be more productive to recycle than it is to buy new. Um, and the cost is going to flip. So new stuff, you know, virgin plastic, um, is going to be uh, much more expensive than the recycled stuff because it's going to be harder to utilize those original material, raw materials, because they come from different places. Um, in fact, pardon me one second. In fact, uh, one country just stopped allowing the export of lithium. So if you have batteries on the horizon for your EV, prices are going to go up again. So what do you think about recycling? artificial intelligence that runs hometown. It's the only way to go. Yeah. Whenever I go to the, the artificial intelligence that runs hometown sees everything. And if I ever try to throw something away, it shoots a bolt of electricity at me and tells me to go throw it in the recycling bin. It's a horrible experience. And I'm really sorry every time I do it. But it's good to be loved. And that little zap of electricity lets me know that the artificial intelligence loves me. All right. No, you can't throw up a little ASCII heart there and say that you love me. I know the artificial intelligence that runs hometown loves me, loves all the citizens of hometown, but Marowat especially. Hey, so that is the end of our show. And uh, we've run a little bit long. I'm not going to trim anything out. You get to see and hear how the sausage is made, however much of a nightmare it might be. And believe me, we've been seeing how things have been made recently and we don't like it. So it's off to being a vegetarian and growing uh, our stuff in the basement here in hometown. All right, folks, that's it for tonight. I want to thank you all for coming or for downloading it from the podcast or visiting me over in YouTube land. Um, like, follow, subscribe. No, you can't really subscribe because I don't have, I'm not, I'm not affiliate or partner or anything here on Twitch, uh, but you can follow me much appreciated. You can change that number. I don't normally talk about that kind of stuff. Um, I'm, I'm here, uh, to, to talk shop about the news and, and to interact. So if you stumble across this, uh, please swing by nine 30 Eastern, uh, every day until we have to change it for some reason, but we'll give advanced warning. Um, we've been kind of noodling around with or I have been noodling around with the time and dragging the AI that runs hometown with me now, um, kicking and screaming as digitally can be kicked and screamed. I don't know. It's a lot of ones and zeros in rapid succession. That's screaming. Okay. We're all out of here. Thank you so much. See you tomorrow. Bye-bye.
Thank you.